What is up, guys? Matt here. Uh, just listened to London Will's crazy life story, and man, it was good. It was really good. So I'm going to be posting it after this video, or this video. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a long day. I'm going to be posting it after this audio that I'm recording right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's really good. It's, it's a little over an hour long, but it's entertaining and, uh, it keeps, I don't know. I was, I wasn't bored listening to it. He, he was worried that people would get bored, but I don't think it's boring. So with all due, this is Will, this is London Will's life trials. That's what we're calling it. So that's what I'm going to call this London Will's life trials. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the British version of Crazy Life Stories on Anchor. Uh, I want to say a massive thanks to Matt Bennett, who has very generously given me permission to um, speak on this episode. Uh, you may have um, remembered, uh, he's mentioned me before, my name is Will and I live in the UK. Um, so yeah, I want to do a bit of a episode, um, but before I do that, I want to say, first of all, that I absolutely love um, this, this whole idea of a, uh, a podcast that is based on people's crazy life stories. And I think the main host, Mr. Matt Bennett, has uh, such a unique way of telling stories. Like the way he describes his life experiences I find just to be so extremely compelling and even things like cycling to work is like would be something he would explain in a fascinating way and um, there's just nothing that he has talked about which I have not found very interesting and um, yeah he's kind of inspired me to um, pluck up the courage to you know do a bit of an episode and I'm very grateful to him to agreeing to this. So yeah, that's just my little intro. I just really wanted to emphasize my gratitude and my admiration for this, uh, this podcast, this, the, the concept of this podcast and the main host, Mr. Matt Bennett. Okay. So I'm going to, um, talk a little bit about, uh, one of my own, crazy life stories. Actually, it might not be possible, but I'm going to try and tell the whole thing. I'm not going to try and take too long. I just want to tell the whole picture because I think it's, uh, it might be interesting to someone. If not, that's okay. And by the way, I've given Matt permission to not uh, use this content. I've, I've given him the option. If he doesn't want to use it, I'm completely fine with it. Um, honestly, it's like, it might be inappropriate, it might be too weird, it might be, I might not be very good at explaining anything because I've never tried this sort of thing. But anyway, I'm going to try. So, before I go into like my life story from the beginning, so to speak, I'm just going to give you a highlight. Because I think something interesting happened quite recently in my life, which would be a good little taste into what's to come. Okay, here goes. So six months ago, um, I used to work in a bank. 
It's a bank in the UK, and I used to be a teller. Now, I only actually worked on Saturdays. Um, it was quite a nice job, in a way, because um, not many people could end up just working on the Saturday. I, I did used to work there full-time, but when I, when I was about to leave, I, I asked permission if I could just work Saturdays, and they said, yes, that's fine. So, yeah, like I said, six months ago, I was working at the, um, this bank branch on a Saturday, and at the end of the day, I decided to borrow £2,500 from the till. It was all £50 notes. And, and by the way, I guess I should uh, do a bit of a currency conversion if anyone's not familiar with pounds. I think it's uh, about $3,500, something like that. So, yeah, £2,500. Um, I took that out of the till and I put it in my pocket at the end of the day, on the Saturday. And the, the, the bank closed at about 3 p.m. Uh, and then I took the train to the centre of London, uh, where there's a few casinos there. And uh, you don't have to have a membership or anything, you can just turn up. And uh, so I went to, uh, you know, a big casino near Trafalgar Square. I went in there, went to the roulette table, and I put... I took some of the money out of my pocket, it was like 500 pounds, and I exchanged that to chips. And um, I started, yeah, I started like putting some chips on uh, straight up, like just the numbers. I was hoping for like a big win on a small amount, right? So I just put some chips on zero to start with. And um, uh, the whole experience for me was incredible. I was like on so much adrenaline because I'd never been into a casino before. And obviously I'd never um, taken money out of the till before. But anyway, um, the first spin of the roulette wheel, somehow my number did not come up. It, it lost. So that first amount of money, it lost. And I couldn't believe it. I was somehow convinced that I was gonna like win lots of money here so I thought okay I'll keep going so again I put chips on zero green and you know these casinos in Trafalgar Square like there are minimum bets so I wasn't like putting a few pence or like cents I, I was like putting I think it had to be at least 20 pounds maybe even 30 pounds bets so um, I tried zero again, and this was the second spin. And would you believe it? It won. The ball landed on zero. This was my second spin of the roulette wheel. There's like 37 numbers, and the ball landed in zero. So straight away, I'd won, um, you know, a few hundred pounds. I can't, like, remember the, the amounts, but it doesn't matter, because I won a few hundred pounds, and I was in shock. I couldn't believe that this was working. And then I just watched, uh, I just stood there for a while thinking what I'm going to do next. Because there was loads of people around, they were all putting like their own bets, and everyone was like really engrossed in the experience and everything. And, and I thought, well, I'm already up. 
and I'm up a good amount. So I told the dealer, okay, I'll 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 take away the um you know change it to like whatever cash chips, because uh, you know I I I understood like how it worked, but I'd never I'd never really played at a casino before. So she changed it to cash chips, and and I said, okay, keep keep. 10 pounds as a tip so she was like grateful and then i went to the uh, cash desk and then changed up the chips to the money and i was like i, I remember i was up basically i think 200 300 pounds and i still had the original 2500 pounds from the bank so i i took i took everything out of the, out of the casino and i i gave 10 pounds to the doorman <laughs> like the security guy he was like really surprised. He was like, what's that for? And yeah, for some reason, I just suddenly felt like some kind of, you know, philanthropist, like millionaire guy who's just won the lottery or something. But anyway, yeah, I he, he got a, he got a 10 pound note. So he was happy. And then I took all the money home. And on, on Monday morning, I, um, I turned up at the bank uh, when they opened. Uh, and I, um, I got some strange looks because I wasn't expected to be there, right? I mean, I only work on Saturday, so people were like, "Why are you here?" And and I said, "Well, um, can you believe it? I left my phone." So so when, as soon as they opened the door, I went straight in, and I just threw the original two thousand five hundred pounds back into the drawer of the till. Uh, you know, I I. I I'd worked all of this out because I, I, if I, I, I knew that I would, I should not lock the till on the Saturday to make sure that I could open it and then replace the money on, on the Monday. Now, of course, uh, you're not supposed to leave any money in the till. It's usually it's supposed to all go in the safe at the end of the day. So anyway, that, that's just my first introduction because, um, Basically, I got away with that, and I'd, I'd made 200, 300 pounds. But at the same time, I guess I risked my job and risked, uh, I don't know, criminal sentence and all of this. But um, yeah, that's what happened. Now, I'm going to take a deep breath, and I want to uh, go on to an, another life story now. I want to basically explain everything else about my life. And it's up to you if you want to listen to that. And um, and by the way, I told Matt he doesn't have to use this. I can't remember if I already said that. <laughs> I'm not used to this podcast thing. Okay, I'm 10 minutes in, so I'm now going to tell you the whole life story. And I've got to warn you, it gets pretty deep. It's got a lot of, uh, a lot of talk about relationships. Okay, here goes. When I was growing up, my main obsession was playing the piano. Uh, my dad had a piano and he played it sometimes. And uh, I remember he played the piano, he played some film music, Back to the Future film music. He played it on the piano when I was really young and I was hooked. I couldn't believe that he just pushed some buttons and he was like creating the music from Back to the Future. So yeah, I, uh, at an early age, had this fascination with the piano. And 
from probably the age of seven, eight, nine, I um, spent most of my free time just sitting at that piano and just making sounds, making music, like maybe I was trying to create the like even better film music or like copy this and that and um, I would just do that all the time. Yeah, I definitely had a bit of, it was mixed in with some video game time, but most of the time it was like piano. And so when I was at school, when I was at uh, secondary school and, and all these things, I uh, would, um, you know, I would use any excuse to just go and play on the piano. And my parents could see that um, I had an interest in it. And so, of course, they organized piano lessons for me. Um, I would say I was a pretty bad piano student. I n never really wanted to practice like the, the things that I was meant to practice. I would just, um, I would just, uh, you know, um, do whatever. I'd just do like play the same piece over and over again because it was just so much fun. And um, my parents just like let me do it, and that was that was that. And so that didn't really change for most of my youth. Um, I don't know what came first, if it was the obsession with piano or if it was my shyness, but, um, I didn't get much enjoyment from, you know, like going out with friends or, or like doing like normal school stuff. So what happened is I, um, I guess, you know, I sort of naturally just got better and better at the piano with like a mixture of you know, half-assed piano practice here and there, but also like discovering things for myself and just having this real enthusiasm and obsession with it. And so what that means is I ended up getting into a specialist music course when I was at about the age of 16. So I did, um, I went to like quite a posh music school in the UK and um, I, I had like a really, really, you know, quite um, like the piano teacher was like, quite uh, he was like a, like a virtuoso he was like really super good pianist and so he started teaching me and um you know that was that was like i i remember like really stepping up a level suddenly i was like going from you know just like playing whatever i wanted on the piano to suddenly i'm like now i am expected to be like preparing for piano competitions and stuff like that and um it was okay because it just meant you know, I started to realize that, um, yeah, I, I guess I was a lot better than a lot of other people at piano. And so I just accepted that, okay, I'm going, I'm going this direction, I guess. I guess I'm doing piano now. I'm going to be a pianist, that sort of thing. That was my, that was what was going through my brain. Um, so after that uh, music school, then I, um, uh, you know, I was just expected to apply to music colleges, which is like a university, but it's a music university. And so you, you end up with a music degree if you go there. And, um, you know, I applied to uh, most of the music colleges in the UK and uh, they, they were all, um, you know, they were all very happy to accept me. So I went to the one, I, I won't say which one exactly. I don't want anyone to like work out like who I am exactly. Maybe they will, but anyway. I um, went to this London Music College and, um, you know, studied piano there. And uh, I, I guess I really learned, like, you know, the difference between 
enjoying piano and just being good at it to like being an absolute master and um you know that's what that was the point where i was like okay people really really bloody take this seriously like people are like people from china and russia would be absolutely insane at their music instruments like they've been i don't know they've been so heavily disciplined to practice diligently like eight hours a day that they will just they would win every competition no problem but anyway um that's that's how i ended up in music college okay um now when i was at music college that's when i realized that um i'd maybe been a little bit too obsessed with piano and uh, didn't really think about other things and uh, I started to kind of notice girls and um, well I basically met this um, uh, Russian violinist and uh, I have to say she showed interest in me um, that's that's how it all started I think um, I mean Okay, maybe I was like looking around, but I didn't really feel like I was getting any response until until I bumped into this Russian violinist. Now she was a kind of a mature student. She was actually ten years older than me. But anyway, we uh, we kind of um, we got together and uh, things kind of worked out quite well. And uh, you know we play a bit of duos together, and and we were kind of like boyfriend girlfriend, and things kind of were quite nice. Um, I did notice early on that actually she uh, was quite an emotional person, and and I remember a few times when she would just like start crying, and uh, I just remember f taking on that kind of uh, supportive role of like saying, "Hold, oh, why are you crying? You know, don't worry, it's okay. I'm here." Um, like she, it, it, it became clear quite early on that she was studying at that college, but she didn't really have any money. Like she didn't have enough money to pay for the, the college halls where we were staying. And, um, it was all a bit sort of like dodgy how it all come, uh, how it all happened. So anyway, I, um, you know, I had my student loan and stuff like we get student loans here and uh, and I just said, okay, don't worry, I'll I'll pay for a I'll pay for our accommodation, and we, we just sort of stayed in the room together, and yeah, that was all fine. Anyway, um, I'll skip forward a little bit. So music college finished, we both graduated, and we were still boyfriend girlfriend, and uh, we were both quite happy with each other, and um, she was on a student visa, right? Because she's from Russia, so she can't just stay here, so. The thing that needed to happen was we needed to basically get married so that she could have a visa to stay here. And uh, I didn't really think twice. I was just, okay, let's, let's do that. We need to, we, you need a visa to stay here. We, we you know, we're boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, this is, this is like the direction we're going. So yeah, we got married in 20, 20 in, sorry, in 2010, we got married. And uh, at first we, we would like, you know, piano and violin, like we were a duo. So we would like do some concerts here and there. But, um, you know, it was uh, basically, it was never going to work because, uh, 
we're, you know, we're not like, I mean, in London, there's just so much classical music and people don't need people, you know, you have to be really good and like quite lucky to get into like uh, a, a kind of a regular income as a duo. Um, I mean, it's not impossible by any means, but basically I don't think we were good enough. Like we weren't the obvious, you know, we weren't like uh, the massive crowd pleasers. We were just, you know, whatever, like quite good piano and violin. And uh, so things sort of changed. We, we moved into a different, like we moved out of the student residence and we moved into our own flat. And um, uh, I'd, I'd had some inheritance from a, like a, a, my grandmother dying. So I'd had uh, like enough money to pay for the rent for both of us. Because, you know, don't forget, she's not, uh, she, she doesn't have any money at all, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, we, so we moved into this flat together. And then I started to think about, well, I better, I guess I better get a job because we've got like rent and bills. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of making it as a couple. We want to like live by ourselves. So I guess I need a job. So I, um, I did a few crap jobs to start with, but um, I I remember then applying to um, this uh, bank teller job, and uh, you know the, the 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 salary was like tiny. Um, I mean this I think because they have so many people applying for this job, I think lots of people would just be like, yeah, I want to do that bank teller job, and so. The bank know that and they're like, okay, we can just pay the lowest salary because we've got such a huge supply of people that want to do this job for some reason. So yeah, I think I was like earning 16,000, something like that for, for a year, 16,000 pounds, which, yeah, let's say, uh, what well, it's going to be like a little bit more than $20,000. And, um, you know, I don't know, you know, London rents are like extortionate. If you want your own place like your own one bedroom flat, then, uh, you know, it's not going to be, it's going to be more than 700, 800 pounds, uh, per month. And that's not including the bills, you know, depending on like the location and the, uh, quality of the place. Anyway, um, we, uh, that's how life was. So I was doing this bank teller job and we lived in this like quite expensive flat in London and a few years passed, nothing really changed. Uh, I, uh, um, we, we moved into a different flat um, because we wanted somewhere more closer to work, uh, my work. And um, my uh, girlfriend at the time, she was like, kind of uh, um, trying to discover what she wanted to do, right? I mean, of course she was a violinist, and she sort of thought that maybe I, me as the as the guy playing the piano would be um, her, you know, ticket to having a music career. But because I, because it didn't really work, like we couldn't really, you know, we couldn't earn a regular monthly income doing that. We couldn't just like suddenly fall into that. We had to build it gradually, which was basically too difficult to do. So yeah, I I was doing this bank teller job, and. Um, that went on like that and we moved different flats until we moved into a really uh, cheap flat but it was in the center of London and uh, we got we, we it was really lucky I mean it was thanks to my 
wife. I, I, I forget, right? I, I got married at that age, didn't I? I forgot. So, yeah, she wasn't my girlfriend. She was my wife already. So she um, was able to, like, make friends with this old guy who lived in uh, in central London. And she managed to uh, kind of get on his, um, you know, became became his friend. He was like an old guy. He was like 70. But he was a big music enthusiast. And he just then mentioned to her, oh, you know, I, I've got a house in central London. Do you want to come and live here? I'll give you a really good rent. So, so yeah, we did that. We moved into this flat in central London and we were paying really cheap price. And at the same, about the same time, I, I managed to get a promotion at the bank. So I wasn't, I wasn't a bank teller anymore. I was now um, like a financial, no, I mean, I don't want to say the title because it would give away the bank, but I, I, I want to say that, uh, you know, one of those guys that sits at the desks and like sells you um, a loan or sells you life insurance. I was like doing that job. And, uh, and we were living at this cheap flat in central London and we stayed there for five years. And um, I had also started to teach piano in the evenings and uh, suddenly like things were like going really well. I was like making quite a lot of money, like £3,000 a month. And, uh, um, it, you know, that, that would be a very good month. Um, my, my girlfriend didn't need to work. Like, she just didn't need to because we had, like, a really cheap rent and cheap bills. So she would just do whatever she wanted. Like, she would... Uh, um, what did she even do? I can't even remember. Sorry, this is my wife, not my girlfriend. My wife. Uh, she... Um, she got into like some weird stuff like she started getting into direct marketing she suddenly believed that she could like uh, become like a millionaire doing like multi-level marketing um, so that was like one thing and another thing is she would just like be kind of a like a housewife I mean I didn't have a problem with that she was she was happy I was happy I mean I was working a lot like the two jobs and we would go to restaurants because we could afford to do that. So, um, yeah, life went on like that. I mean, we didn't save anything. That's probably the biggest mistake ever. We were just spending and uh, enjoying things in central London um, until the landlord of that house, he died. I mean, he, he didn't really suddenly die. He, he was like getting dementia and then he had to go into a home, uh, but then he died. And so suddenly we realized that oh um now i need to um now i need to whew, need to like pay a normal rent again uh i uh, guess you know we're gonna have to like move into somewhere more expensive but um a few months before we had to move out because like the uh what do you call it the um like the lawyers of the guy that died they gave us notice, so we had time to prepare. And um, I, uh, I don't know why, but I uh, started having really um, kind of devious thoughts because when I was a um, advisor at the bank, I had uh, noticed how, like, the banking world of like products, loans, and stuff like that weren't as I expected. Uh, I didn't realize that that the bank gives loans based on profiles. Like, 
they they will um they will just like take a chance basically on who they think is going to pay the money back and uh, i also knew about credit scoring because of because also of my experience working in the bank i kind of learned about this and i could see that um basically anybody who's got like a quite a large income and a low outgoings of expenses the algorithm is going to very um uh it's going to uh, very strongly um uh like uh, i can't i can't remember english suddenly it's going to very strongly uh, advertise that they have a loan you know the they, the bank wants those people to have loans because they um they look to be like the most reliable people and uh, i i happened to have quite a few bank accounts open at the time and i noticed i was getting these offers of loans at very good interest rates from basically all of those accounts and uh yeah we were also um you know approaching this time where we needed to move out and uh we didn't have children like we 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 never have children or anything like that but i had this idea that um I should like take out a big loan and we should go and do something fun because I could see what was happening. I was going to be probably working forever and she was going to be like a housewife forever. And um, I guess I had a bit of a like shock and I was like, well, if we're doing this, I want to have some fun. <laughs> so I applied for a loan from every possible bank I could and like even uh, like other companies who were like offering loans, I just went to all of them and I asked for the maximum amount and I did it all at the same time. And uh, and don't get me wrong, I lied on all the applications because they, they say, okay, are you applying for credit anywhere else? And and I said, no, 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 j just with you, of course. And they said, okay, what do, you, what do you want the loan for? And I said, oh, I want it for a car. But actually that was all bullshit. I just knew that that was the right thing to say to get the loan. The real reason I wanted the loan was so that we could absolutely piss the money away on traveling. I was desperate to travel. I wanted to like see all those crazy places in the world. So all of these banks uh, approved the loan and uh, basically I had 60,000 pounds. All of this was borrowed money and my plan was to was to eventually pay it back, but I knew from working in the bank that I could easily uh, change them into like payment plans. I could pretend it was like a struggle to pay it back and I could go down to like small amounts every month. So that's what we did. Uh, we took out the £60,000. All of our stuff went into storage in London, like into a storage unit. And we went traveling. We went for six months. We went uh, to um, Iceland. We went to Cuba, to Peru, to Chile, Argentina, and then we flew over the Pacific to New Zealand. Then we went to Australia and uh, um, Malaysia, Thailand, uh, India. Oh, we did go to Taiwan as well. And then Europe, we went like around lots of places in Europe. And then we went again over the um, Atlantic to the States. And we went um, 
to uh, New York to begin with, and then um, uh, you know we took uh, we went to like Washington D.C. All of those tourist places. We did end up going to Chicago, and then we took that train that goes from Chicago. I think I think this is right. That goes all the way from Chicago to uh, the West Coast. Uh, and so it's like um, it goes all the way to San Francisco and then we did like a tour from San Francisco that like took us to places near there to see all of the sites okay so we did all of that and then we came back that was like July 2017 that we came back and um, and then uh, and then obviously I needed to find a new flat for us uh, and by the way, I was able to keep my job at the bank because they let you have career breaks. So I took one of these career breaks and then I went um, straight back into that same job, which I was really grateful for. Right, I was quite lucky to get that. So um, we moved into a new flat. Um, the rent was not cheap and it was straight away quite, quite difficult. And, uh, and oh, by the way, you remember I used to be teaching piano. Well, I... Um, I had to lose every single one of my pupils because, you know, it, you can't take a career break from like teaching kids piano, right? I mean, uh, because because of my whole network of piano students, they were all uh, word of mouth. So I had to, I, I gave all of that up and I did that, I did that uh, willingly. Uh, and I knew there was a risk that I would not be able to get any of my piano students back. And that's exactly what happened. I, I couldn't get back into it. I Maybe I could have tried harder, but I didn't. I was just thinking, right, I'm just going to do one job. So I went back to the job at the bank. And uh, and so um, we, we we lived in this in this flat, uh, you know, in London. And we like have real problems with the neighbor. The neighbor was like, really sensitive to the sounds because my wife wanted to like practice violin but the 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 neighbor was like completely against any sound that came from uh, our flat and so we had a massive argument and at one point the police had to come and like have a word with my wife and then she got too stressed about this and uh, and then in the end we had to like tell the landlord right okay I know we've got a year contract, but we want to move out now because it's just it's just not working. It's like really stressful. So we moved into a new place. And uh, again, we had problems with the neighbors there in the new place. Um, but it was the other way around this time. It was like they were like creating so much noise and they would slam the front door of the building that uh, like my wife just like had so much stress living there. Um, like, cause don't forget my wife, uh, she kind of got used to this housewife routine. I mean, we didn't have kids, but she was like a housewife. She would do like the laundry and the cooking and the cleaning. And, uh, she would tell me that she was just so stressed with this constant banging of the door and the neighbors like making a racket. And sometimes they were like, um, uh, like, like right outside the front window, they would smoke cigarettes. Now, um, just, just to say that in Russia, there seems to be a very small tolerance to, like, cigarette smoke. In the UK, it's a lot more common. There's a lot of tolerance. Like, lots of people are okay with it. I know we've got, like, a few rules, like, it's banned to have in public places and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit more, like, lots of people in the UK smoke. So, anyway, we had to move again. And... Uh, 
we moved to a new flat and uh, and the flats like the rents were getting more and more expensive and we were like spending so much money on like having to move all the time so anyway uh i i started to do extra work i was still doing this bank job but i started to do extra work i did um i did like uh, food courier work you know i i just sort of gave up on trying to get back into piano lessons so i just did the courier uh like uber eats right i would just do that uh, because it was actually like a little bit of extra money that we really needed because this new flat was so expensive and the bills were crazy the council tax was like so high i was like um thinking how am i gonna afford this and i i also started to really hate my bank job so much um that uh, i was just having so much stress from the customers there and the 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 uh there was no like easy way to move up and uh i didn't really like the people i worked with and so i changed jobs and i kind of changed careers because i went from like retail banking to an accounts job so i managed to find an a, an accounts job where it would be like you know like the uh, bootstraps to like learning accountancy and like doing a qualification so i took a trainee job in a charity um doing this uh, accounting this accounting job and uh i still work there now actually but um what happened is uh um because i had to like take a bit of a salary decrease suddenly things were just so difficult financially because we had this huge rent and bills to pay on this flat and we were like really trying to like be uh tight with the money i mean we couldn't pay for anything um i mean you remember i would like had all those loans to pay back i was already down to the absolute minimum i was like some of them just paying one pound a month because i was really trying to just just pay the rent and the council tax it was so much money and uh, i was like working all the time and we still didn't have any money left over so uh, things started to get really hard and the relationship between me and my wife started to get bad and then it got worse and worse and worse and then guess what the pandemic hit the pandemic came and suddenly i was working at home most of the time and that's when things got basically impossible um like just to give you just to take a few steps back my my wife she um had fallen into this housewife lifestyle right um now the the big disadvantage with that is that she'd started to like lose touch with friends and she started to not even be interested in making friendships and she actually allowed herself to fall out with a lot of people unnecessarily like even with her family she like had a big argument with her mother and her, and her brother and that was it she just didn't want to talk to them ever again i mean i can't imagine not ever talking to my parents again but anyway that happened she stopped talking with everyone i was the only person that she would talk to and i'm not even joking and then the and then yeah as i said the pandemic hit and suddenly i was working at home and she was uh she was a housewife at home who only had me to talk to and you can guess what happened things started to get ridiculously difficult i uh i found it very stressful because she um 
she wanted to uh, like have lots of attention. I mean, she treated me in a very weird way as well. I mean, this was always like this. And I guess I kind of got used to it, but I was kind of like the um, slave husband. <laughs> uh, I mean, not really, because she was doing all the domestic stuff, right? Like, I, I don't, I, I don't forget that at all. But uh, um, uh, I'm going to sound like a piece of shit. I know that, but yeah, I, uh, I, 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 we didn't get on well. Basically, like we started to realize that we uh, we just didn't like each other i mean sh you know whew, things got really difficult um she would drink quite often uh um like wine and that's fine no problem with that but one problem is that now and again if she had too much wine she would get quite aggressive especially if i uh, you know i didn't really want to and i mean this was inevitable because i was the only person in her life she would like basically want to like do things together, like watch a film together or something. But I, uh, I didn't, you know, when, especially when she was drunk, I, I wasn't really interested. I'd rather like keep to myself and maybe play some games. But anyway, um, on one occasion, the neighbors uh, next to our new flat. Can you believe this? <laughs> they they started to smoke marijuana. Now I've got no problem with the smell of marijuana, but my wife, uh, she uh, she she can't stand any kind of smoke smell or like secondhand smoke or like drugs, whatever. And she she will she will say things like, "I can't breathe." I mean, I, you know, I don't know. She's deliberately exaggerating, but she would say, "I can't breathe," and. Um, you know, with the pandemic, like it was becoming like every day we'd have this smell of the marijuana coming in and uh, she would start to go mad and she would like say, well, we need to tell the block owners, we need to tell the landlords. And we did kind of go through all of that. And we were like telling the police as well. But because of that particular part of London, it's like in an area where I can tell that probably soon things are going to become legal. It's going to become legal to smoke marijuana. And the police, they don't like to get involved in it because it's, it's, it's like people smoking in their own homes is not like a priority for them. So anyway, uh, I'm probably just going to pause it here uh, and I'll just come, I'll come straight back. Okay. Um, so yeah, as I said, things started to get really difficult. Uh, we had this, we had this one occasion where the neighbors were you know they were having a massive marijuana smoking pot day which um i knew uh, that we can't do anything about and I, it didn't bother me but it massively bothered her so we had a big argument about it and and uh and you know you can't like call the police and they, they're not going to come for that it, it just it just doesn't happen you can report it to the police and maybe they'll send somebody around in a few days to talk to the neighbors. But anyway, um, my wife had like started to, to drink a lot as well during the pandemic because she was getting pretty stressed with all of this. So what happened is we had a big argument on that day and then she left the flat. She said, that's it. I'm, I'm going to the police. 
and I'm going to tell them in, at the police station. As she left the flat, it just so happened that the person that lived in the other flat where they were smoking the marijuana, I think they were just like one of the people at that party was like arriving back from going to the shop or something. And so they bumped into each other in the corridor. And then my wife started screaming at her. Like she started screaming like, like hysterically, like a crazy person. Don't forget, she'd like had at least a bottle of like the whole bottle of red wine. And she was screaming at this neighbor who they, they'd never met. Like the neighbor didn't even know who she was. And she was just screaming at her like incoherently. And, uh, and then, um, I could hear it because I was still in the flat and I was like, what the hell is going on? And uh, my wife came back into the flat and, and the neighbor was like, well, hang on a second. I mean, that neighbor was quite ballsy because she wanted to like understand what, what the problem was. So she kind of followed, followed my wife, like, and arrived at the door of our flat. And, um, and I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry that she's like screaming at you. <laughs> I mean, you can imagine, right? Like my wife looks, looks at me like apologizing to this, uh, this neighbor. And she like, she immediately sees me as like a traitor. And so she starts screaming at me now. And, uh, you know, things are like getting really, uh, out of hand. Like, uh, my wife, she starts slamming the, slamming the door, not the front door, but the other door. She's like slamming it. She's like trying to break it because she's having like a, a mental breakdown. She's like having a fit. And the neighbor, she goes and calls the police because she's like thinking, what the hell is going on? So the neighbor calls the police. She like calls, you know, I guess it's like 911 in the US. It's 999 here. And, uh, and then, and then, um, the thing, the thing, the thing about this story is I've I've said that the neighbors called the police, but I didn't know that until later because actually, uh, uh, after my wife had come back into the flat, started screaming, I went into the bedroom, and uh, and like closed the door because I'd had enough. I was like, oh my god, I can't put up with this. Like, there's a pandemic. I can't go anywhere, and I'm living with this crazy person. And so uh, I went into the bedroom, and then my wife wants to come in, and so I'm holding the door closed trying to stop her from coming in and my wife is like now she's like banging she's smashing her like fist on the door she's kicking the door it's like uh it's like a scene out of the shining or whatever that movie is and uh i then call the police because because of what she said is it you know it was bad enough that she was like trying to break down the door but she said in her drunken fury she said i am losing it i am gonna burn the building down she said those words, and when she said that, I picked up the phone and I called the police and I said, please, can you send someone around? My wife is hysterical. And my wife heard me call the police, and so my wife took uh, the wedding ring and the engagement ring and she threw it off the balcony. She just threw it all off the balcony. And then the police came, and uh, the thing is, I knew that the neighbour called the police as well because the the police came through the, the they knocked on the door not more than 10 seconds after i called the police so they'd already been called prior to that but they came in and then my wife did not stop her fury she started having a go at the police she was going absolutely crazy frantic crazy and they arrested her 
they they asked me like what is going on like, what has happened and i and i said i honestly said she's um she's just she's just got so hysterical she this thing happened with the marijuana and she got uh very hysterical and then she started to threaten to burn the building down you know on hindsight i wonder if i needed to tell them that but anyway i told them that and so they arrested her and they put her in the uh, like custody center and she had to stay there one night so i was like um thinking oh my god what on earth has this relationship become like what how, how are we going to recover from this and then, so uh, the next day she comes after, you know, she's sobered up, right? So the next day she comes home and we're like talking about it. And I'm saying, like, we got to change something. Like, we can't, like, we can't have this and have this every now and again. And uh, she would, um, but she was adamant that I had betrayed her. I was like, you know, the husband that was supposed to be like on her side and I had betrayed her. That's how she explained it and i would argue the other way around i would say well come on don't you see how unreasonable you behaved but she would say i i mean i've been i had no choice i've like been i i've just got, i've been pushed into a corner you're telling me to accept that i can't breathe i mean that's what she says i don't think she's struggling to breathe because the smell of marijuana is coming into the flat but that's that's how she describes it I mean, I never saw her like clutching her throat, like gasping for air, but um, she she's basically said, no, you, you, you're you stopping me from being able to breathe and you betrayed me. You called the police and I got arrested and I've had an awful experience. So that was um, in um, about April 2021. And uh, basically a few... Like things just carried on. Like we thought, okay, that was a that was a that was a moment. Let's just forget it. Let's try and carry on. But this started to become a regular thing. She would drink. She would get aggressive. She would start slamming the door or something, and then I would end up calling the police. This happened again and again and again. Well, a total of four times it happened in the space of a year. And. Uh, we arrive at that time when I was did the thing at the uh, at the bank because you remember I, I used to do that bank job full time but I asked just to do it one day a week whilst I did the accounting job during the week so that's when that casino thing happened in October and then uh, and then a few months later I just um, I started to really get worried I, like I started to have a big problem with what my life was which was living with this crazy woman who was financially dependent on me and emotionally dependent and uh, it really affected me and um, I, I had to like tell my parents about it and my friends and they said oh my god you need to get out you just have to leave her you have to divorce her she's crazy but uh, I didn't know how to do it because she was financially dependent on me so I was thinking, I can't just walk away. We've got like, I, I you know, we, I need to do it gradually. And uh, my, my parents like tried to like advise me on how to do everything. And I remember I saw my dad over Christmas at 2021. And he said, he was like asking me, Will, like, Will, how old are you? And I said, okay, I'm, I'm 35. And he says, right, 
you should be having fun at 35. You gotta, you gotta stop like being the breadwinner and like being the good guy. You need to just stop that and have fun. And uh, that, that, those words really hit home because basically um, things are gonna get weird now in this story. When it got to the 1st of January this year, 2022, I don't know why, but I decided that I wanted to see an escort. I wanted to see, I wanted to pay to see, um, you know, like uh, somebody in the sex work industry, but not for sex. I, I wanted to say that now. I didn't have sex, but... Um, I did some kind of kink thing, which I'm not going to explain because it's too much detail. It's not relevant. But um, this uh, this kind of kink thing I um, I, I did with this this escort who who I booked in central London, and then the crazy thing happened. Basically, this this escort that I saw, she was incredible and. I couldn't believe how amazing she was and suddenly I realized that I was falling in love with her because I had to like see her again and again and again and obviously my wife didn't know what was going on I just told her that I was like either going for work or something I just started to lie because like my life had got so strange that uh, I just needed this like escape and this new girl um, can you believe it she was Russian as well like she had become uh, my escape and so I was spending more and more time with this new Russian girl who was also becoming fond of me uh, and uh, this Russian girl said uh, hey um, why don't you leave your wife and like live with me we can like get a flat together uh, and uh, and I was like oh, come on like that's crazy I mean I need to um, I need to like do this like in a organized way first I need to like work out how my wife is going to have money and we need to like agree how we're going to divorce and stuff like that and uh, you know I did talk about divorce with my wife and, and actually she kind of accepted that we needed to divorce but um, she would be of the opinion that I would need to now pay her like forever I would need to pay her to like live somewhere and uh, you know the jury is out on on uh, what financial obligations I have to her um, because you know we got we were we were like married like a long time so she had become she had got used to this lifestyle um, she had been like the housewife the whole time I mean don't forget I still had huge amounts of debts which I was still paying off very gradually they were in my name not her name but um, yeah, she would be of the opinion, well, you, we can divorce if you want, but you're going to have to pay for my rent or you're going to have to pay for this, this, this. So, um, uh, you know, things were just completely like, like we, re really difficult with, um, with my wife. So I was like getting more and more attached to this new girl, this other Russian girl. And she was like saying, let's move in together. And um, she said, uh, she said, why don't you like just start talking to landlords in uh, this other part of London like this kind of expensive part of London just see if you can get a new flat and let's just move in there and just like don't look back just leave your wife don't even look back and um, 
Well, uh, I was like, I can't do that. That's that's stupid. I mean, I'm going to need a reference from my current landlord. I mean, how am I going to get that? I can't say, uh, I can't like ask for a reference without making it obvious that I want to move out. Um, but this uh, Russian girl, she say she would say, it's okay. You're you're an English guy. You can just um, you can just make up some lies that you can't get a reference, and because of this and this. Well, I did that. I went to like different landlords that I found online, and. Uh, I managed to persuade somebody to rent out their flat because they were going to move to Bulgaria. So they needed someone to live in their flat. Uh, they convinced me to, uh, uh, I mean, sorry, I convinced them th about like some bullshit scenario that I'd made up and she trusted me and she said, yeah, I want you to live here. And so that was it on February 21st, 2022, I just left the flat and uh, I have not seen my wife since I just left the flat and I moved into a new flat with this other Russian girl and we've lived there together and this uh, Russian girl she does this like um, she does this sort of kink thing for me like every day and I, I can't explain what it is but um, she just she would like she absolutely like like gave me so much like bliss and enjoyment and uh, I, um, I was like in love with her, but she wasn't in love with me. She like this Russian girl. She's not in love with me because this is like her job, right? She she kind of has lots of men who like want to see her, and uh, so you know we moved into this new flat together. I mean, I was like pretending to the landlady that it was just me living there, but actually this other Russian girl lived there live lived there as well, and she's like uh, she's doing like massages for like men and lots of men are coming to the flat and she's earning like probably at least 300 pounds 400 pounds every day and uh and i'm like um uh i'm like going through bliss and despair on a daily basis because this this beautiful russian girl she would like you know she would keep me happy by by like treating me to these kinky things that she would do but then she wouldn't show any kind of uh, uh, affection at all, like zero affection. And uh, but um, I, I, I uh, for some reason we kind of we we just kept going. I mean, she said that she would she loved me, but um, I knew that she would just probably say that. And she was like saying, "I love you" in a kind of a spiritual way. And uh, yeah, so that's that's like what's happening now that. I just walked out on the wife like I just left her and my wife like sent me emails and emails and like phone calls and phone calls she said you can't just leave I like don't know what to do and and by the way I stopped paying the rent on that old flat right because I needed to pay rent on the new flat I just completely stopped and I didn't tell the landlords where I was going and I didn't tell my wife where I was going and my wife doesn't know about the new girlfriend so um yeah, that, that's the reality. So it's now four months later and I've blocked my, uh, I've blocked my uh, wife's number and I've applied for a divorce because there's a new law in the UK where you can apply for a divorce and you can say that the, um, the marriage has broken down and she doesn't have to agree with it. She just has to kind of accept it. So... Yeah, that's what's going to happen. And um, 
and uh, you know the the other thing I need to say is that the new girlfriend, the new Russian girlfriend, she says that um, she thinks that I might still be in love with my wife, and she says you need to like you need to block all contact. You just cannot talk with her, and so that's what happened. I just didn't talk with her at all, and uh, it kind of like it's like wait a weight on my mind thinking what the hell she's going through because I actually don't know. I guess she must have like had to look for a job or apply for benefits. Um, and, and God knows what. But uh, there's another part of this story which I've forgotten to say. But um, yeah, it's probably not that relevant. But uh, I'm going to say it anyway. Over, De over December in 2021 when things were like already quite difficult between us, she'd started to get in touch again with her old friends and the, the most insane thing happened. She was speaking with her ex-boyfriend and her ex-boyfriend uh, got her in touch with um, one of his friends and this friend happened to be some kind of millionaire like some maybe even a billionaire he was like a russian oligarch or something and um you know uh the, the this ex-boyfriend introduced my wife and this oligarch and the oligarch sent twenty-five thousand pounds to her bank account she just he just sent it to her bank account and um and uh yeah that happened in december and, uh, you know, another thing I forgot to mention was that we were really struggling financially. I, I had I had actually not been able to pay lots of the council tax and uh, the utility bills were like all behind because um, I had, uh, I, you know, I was still just on this trainee accounting job. And oh, by the way, I, I, I forgot to say that I'd had to give up studying. So I wasn't getting like a pay increase. So my salary was like still really low. So we were really struggling financially. And when the pandemic hit, I wasn't doing that other work where I was like doing the courier work. I, I just had to stop doing it. So all of these arrears built up on the utility bills, like everything was getting behind and behind and like debts were rising. And, uh, and my wife also, um, uh, Another piece of context. She wanted to apply for British citizenship. Now, because we'd been married a long time, she'd already had the right to stay in that country. She'd already had the indefinite leave to remain. So she she kind of had like almost like citizenship, but she, she didn't like exactly have like a British passport. And she wanted the British passport. And so um, the thing that happened is that she said to me, um, you know, okay, I, I get that we are probably going to divorce in the future, but I want to, I want you to help me to get British citizenship first. And so I had to like share with her that, uh, well, actually, we've got like some pretty bad debts on the council tax. I mean, you know, those debts, those loans that I took out for the traveling, they were all on my name. But the utility bills and the council tax were kind of in both our names. And I guess she didn't really know about those debts. And uh, it's not because I made a point of actively not telling her. But 
it's more because we'd agreed a long time ago that I was responsible for all of the money. Like I was responsible for paying everything. And I always planned to like eventually get back into paying them back because I knew they would accept payment plans, especially council tax. They will be happy as long as you're paying enough to like decrease the arrears. They're not going to like send bailiffs around to like take away your stuff. Uh, so, um, and by the way, my wife has like so much stuff. She, she's like a hoarder. She would buy furniture. She would buy uh, like clothes and coats and like the whole flat that we lived in was like full of her stuff. I was more of an experience like spender, uh, you know, um, like that, that sounds wrong. But what I mean is I'm like with spending on it, spending on experiences, not stuff. So I didn't really have much, which in a way made it easier for me when I wanted to leave because I didn't have to take much with me. I just had like a couple of suitcases. And uh, and don't forget that this oligarch sent her all this money, right? So I could leave and not feel guilty because she suddenly got loads of money. She can sort herself out. But I just left. And um, I don't know how I feel about it now. I don't know if I'm guilty. I don't know if I uh, regret. I mean, I, I, won't, I won't change it. I'm definitely never going to go back. But I just, like, one thing that sticks in my mind is that I've made so many promises to her over the previous years. I always said to her that, um, you know, you can always rely on me and, uh, like, uh, we'll, we'll always be together forever. Like, I said all those things, you know, and she just kind of got used to that lifestyle. And, um, you know, we never had kids. But yeah, so now I live with this new Russian girl who's like, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't think it's true love. It's, it's clearly not love. It's like, she's like living with a client, basically. And uh, I um, really, like, feel like 50-50 uh, about everything with this new girl because I, I really love, <laughs> I mean... I love a lot of the stuff that we get up to, but uh, I accept that she's probably doing that to keep me happy, right? She's she's definitely not in love with me because, as I said, she shows me zero affection. Uh, it's difficult to explain, but um, for some reason I, uh, I'm sort of satisfied, I suppose, with, with that living arrangement. Although it's risky because the landlord... The, the girl that went to Bulgaria who like gave us the flat to rent, she knows nothing about this uh, girlfriend. She thinks it's just me living there. Uh, so, you know, I'm panicking that maybe someone's going to find out about this other girlfriend doing all of these massages and like basically working there. Like maybe the neighbors are going to say something. But so far things are okay. Um, and then, and as for the wife, I just don't know what she's doing now. I don't know if she like found a job. I don't know if she's got benefits. But uh, I think she's probably in a in a stressful place, and um, so yeah, that's that. That brings me up to date, and I'm looking at the duration of this voice recording, and I can see it's a whole hour and six minutes. So I guess I better shut up. Um, but I just really want to make sure I said everything, and. Um, and uh, I just feel like, you know, I just want to say that I feel like the whole time 
in this like life I've lived so far, I've never really had control of it. <laughs> Uh, you know, I know that sounds crazy, but I've never had control of it. If this has all just happened, everything just happened this way, like this led to this, this led to this, and now I've like abandoned like that girl I married. I mean, if you'd have asked me 20 years ago if this scenario would have happened, I would have like refused to believe it because I just was not that kind of person that could, you know. I guess have it's not like having an affair but you know going and like basically getting with a girl like a new girl when you're married I mean that's a that's a piece of shit move right or is it okay because is it okay do you think because my wife was like getting too aggressive and like she was you know cutting off people from her life and like kind of just got used to this lifestyle i mean is it her fault or is it my fault or is it nobody's fault you know i think this is just like a crazy life and uh and um you know like i, I just want to make it clear that i i'm still like on a small salary because the pandemic made it so difficult to increase wages and uh you know it really um that has like really been a massive problem the whole time not having enough money but then again i already told you before that uh, i borrowed all of that money from the bank and to be honest i don't think i'm ever going to pay all of it back i, I think i'm, I'm going to consider like going bankrupt or something so i'm going to end it here but um i know this was an extremely weird and long episode but uh, I just want to say that uh, I'm extremely grateful to Matt Bennett for letting me do this episode. And um, tune in next time. I'm sure he'll be back in the next episode. And uh, how, how does he end it? I've got, I've got to try and remember how he ends it. He says something like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Matt Bennett. This was Crazy Life Stories on Anchor. Have a good evening.